Hey, this is Dan Lorenzo from Cassius King, and you're listening to Signals from Mars. Hey, what's up, freaks? It's Jason McMaster from Cassius King, and you're listening to Signals from Mars. I think that intro says it all. We have Jason McMaster. We have Dan Lorenzo from Cassius King, Hades, Nonfiction, Vessel of Light, Dangerous Toys, so on. Next. I'm ready. Let's do it. In all fairness, I just mentioned Dangerous Toys, but I could have said Broken Teeth, Watchtower, so on and so forth. I miss Patriarchs in Black, um, a lot of different stuff. Both Dan and Jason are involved in a lot of different bands, and I got to tell you, it was a thrill to talk to both. I haven't talked to Jason in, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years, haven't talked to Dan. Uh, obviously, this is the third time this year, but before this, it was 11 years. And it was awesome to catch up to both. My initial plan was, hey, we're going to do a 20-minute to half-hour interview. Yeah, it's a little longer than that. So uh, there's a lot of cool shit that we talk about. For example, we do talk quite a bit about Dread the Dawn, the new Cassius King album, We talk about how it compares to Field Trip, uh, how there's been a lot of good reception out there and people saying that they've really kicked it up a notch with this album. And we go back and forth with a lot of things. You know, again, I haven't talked to Dan in so much time, but I'll mention this during the interview. Dan is someone that I've constantly kept in contact with due to Dan reaching out all the time. I'm the type of person that, I have phone numbers, emails, and different things from different artists. I just don't want to bother people. But Dan is always reaching out. Hey, how's it going? You know, sending videos out, telling me what's going on with everything. And I absolutely love it. Um, you're going to hear me start the interview off talking about a certain thing. Let me just fill you in real quick. So a few months ago, a few months ago, no, a few weeks ago, I was supposed to have uh, the singer from He Is Legend on and Skyler from He Is Legend. And what ended up happening was I had the dates wrong. And due to this, <laughs> I prepared a segue, which I said, shit, what other kind of segue sh- am I going to include? Let me get a a snippet of an interview from John Bush, kind of a best of, let's revisit a best of clip. And John Bush was wearing a Hades t-shirt. So of course, Dan Lorenzo logs in. That clip is still going and he's seeing that John Bush of Armored Saint and Anthrax fame is wearing a Hades t-shirt. So the stars kind of align there. And oh yeah, by the way, Jason McMaster just filled in for John Bush in Armored Saint. Also helped the guys out from Accept. And yeah, we talk about that as well. So 
It's quite a long interview. If you're a fan of Dan's or Jason, I think you will enjoy this conversation that I have with the two of them. I had a lot of fun doing it, and I hope that it comes off that way. So anyway, just want to remind you guys to go to signalsfrommars.com. You'll find all the various social media platforms where you can follow the show, where you can watch the live stream, live, partake, comment, or check out the replays. Check out the music discussions that we do. It's usually every Friday before the interviews, the hour before the interviews, and it usually consists of my patrons. And if you want to learn more about my Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash signals from Mars, or just go to signalsfrommars.com and click on the Patreon logo. You can become a patron for as little as $2 a month. You get three new videos a day from bands you love, bands that you may not have heard of before, or bands maybe you have heard of, but you've never checked out their music. Well, don't be part of the, hey, there's no good new music coming out anymore, lazy listener group. There's always something cool that's coming out, like the new uh, Cassius King, Dread the Dawn. have videos for that on, here, on the uh, Patreon as well. Also, you get the exclusive Victor M. Ruiz podcast where I discuss all types of behind the scenes um, information, discuss current hard rock and music news. I usually scour Blabbermouth for uh, a few cool headlines to, uh, to talk about. Uh, you also get different types of questions and polls, and it's all in the troll-free environment. And guess what? You get the link to be part of that hour one music discussion that happens uh, pretty much every Friday. And plus, if we do any sort of polls uh, where we set up playlists and things like that, for example, we recently did a new wave of British heavy metal episode. You can find that there as well. And uh, that's it. That's plenty of plugging for me. Thank you for listening. To this episode, as I like to say, if, if you're new to this, I know that you could be listening to a million other shows, but you choose to be here. And I appreciate it, the bottom of my heart, that you're actually taking time out to listen to this episode. And shit, before I forget, Trivia Tuesday, exclusively on Twitch, 6 p.m. Eastern, on Twitch, uh, 6 p.m., no, 5 p.m. Eastern for the Signals from Mars live stream every Friday, and that goes out on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Twitch. So anyway, let's get on with the interview. Enough of my yammering. Thanks for listening. Here we go. So um, that wasn't done on purpose, as as I realized that I I readied that segue like about a month ago. For uh, I was supposed to be going between two interviews, and I was like, oh okay, I'm just gonna pull a piece out of this John Bush interview. So it just so happened as as the video is playing, I'm like, shit, he's wearing that Hades T-shirt. Right. 
it wasn't as if I planned. Hey, Dan Lorenzo's coming on tonight. So we're going to have, I picked out of 13 years of doing a show, the one time that somebody besides me wore a Hades t-shirt on the show. Oh, stop. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, the Amish Outlaws, we're one of the favorite fans of the Amish Outlaws bass player. I noticed he's in the chat room. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. Hello, Mr. McMaster. I see you a lot lately. That's a good thing. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Oh, I didn't. Uh, it, you don't sound like you. I, I don't think I've heard you complain unless it's in text and I don't hear text. <laughs> so. uh, what's going on, Victor? You guys know each other? Uh, years ago, we, okay. we I interviewed uh, Jason. I had the pleasure of doing so. And the last interaction we actually had was um, uh, there was somebody that was doing PR for you. It was for a Broken Teeth album. And growing up in a construction family in New Jersey, uh, the name of the album was uh, Bulldozer, but the... Uh, oh, broken Teeth, yeah. Yeah. It so was I a said, front loader. It's a front loader. Yeah. So, so I said to the PR person, I said, you realize that's not a... Um, a bulldozer. And he copied you on the email, not knowing that, you know, uh, it was just a, a smart ass comment. And your reply was, yeah, well, front loader wouldn't, doesn't exactly have the same impact as bulldozer. No, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot less rock and roll and maybe more porno. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, Similar to you, Dan, last time I spoke to Jason was maybe around 10 years ago. Wow. Well, I offended Jason last week. We're doing a live interview and I told him, yes, yeah. and you know, I never met Jason until seven years ago. And he told me he was in a uh, nonfiction dressing room in Austin in 1993, which I had no recollection of, unfortunately. Yeah, you guys came through with nonfiction and Alan was certain to invite me. And uh, I went down and hung out. I, don't, I didn't stay for the whole show. Maybe that's it. Thanks. Maybe I was there kind of early and I saw a few songs and I had to split. But I did meet all you guys. You guys all came out and said hi. So Jason made one hell of an impression on me, obviously, 30 <laughs> years ago. And vice versa, because if he only saw a few songs. Yeah, he walked out. <laughs> <laughs> he walked out, so I, I guess yeah, the impression is kind of mutual. It, well, it was, it was, uh, you know, I guess I, I felt like I had better things to do. It wasn't that I didn't appreciate. I've got quite a few nonfiction records, but I need to spend those more often. I guess you should. There you go. Yeah. So should everyone. Yeah, I think well, so. Is that anyway, a Paul Gilbert model you have there, Victor? What are we talking about tonight? Cash is king, perhaps, or no? We're talking about Cassius King. Yeah. Oh, okay. first, first off, is that a Paul Gilbert model you have back there? It is a Paul Gilbert model. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Yes. Do you know if Paul Gilbert lives in Austin, where I am now, Austin, Texas? Do you know no that idea. to be true? No idea. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. The, it, the, seems, um, it seems a, like a random question, but it it's not. Maybe we can, you know talk off camera about that yeah well um eventually when i finish putting everything up behind me i'm gonna have a nice man on the other side because most people don't realize that that's a paul gilbert model they think it's in that the image is backwards it's just the ice man in reverse which is almost what the guitar is 
No, so. I mean, I can I can read your posters. It's obviously correct. Yeah. Randy Rhodes is not left-handed. So Right. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was a lefty. Because <laughs> the guitar player. I don't so, study guitar players. That, that was kind of a, a joke. Of course, I know Randy wasn't a lefty. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, Victor. He, yes. You told me you really, you actually like, you love the new Cassius King album. I do rather yeah. enjoy the album. And awesome. one of the things that I wanted to mention is that it seems like a lot of people are saying that you guys have stepped it up from this album, from the previous album to this album. Do you guys feel that, that when you guys started working on this material, that it was? I told Jason, I said, Jason, you got to step it up. I mean, what are you doing over there, man? You know, and, and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, oh, you got to step it up. He's like, all right, calm down. He was like afraid I was going to come down. You know, no, I so remember cool. you, you called me, you, you, you rang my phone like 50 times because you were trying to wake me up. You said, stop sleeping. It's time to get out of bed and make a better record than Field Trip. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's so funny. Whenever people say that, it's like, we're just writing music just like we always did. It's, I don't know. You know, you know like I, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in on this. I, this is kind of at the end of the process. Well, not not the, the final uh, part of the process, but there's not one, as we all know, there's not one way to write a song. You know, you don't learn how to do this and then learn how to do this and then learn how to do this. And then at the end, there's a song. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, writing just by, you know, someone emailing each other apart to work on to, to, you know, so you're not starting from scratch. So you're all on the same page. Um, this record, the only thing we did different, honestly, uh, was we did edit a couple of the, the longer songs, but only by arrangement because, mm -hmm. When Dan sends me um, a mix of like, uh, I, I prefer, he, he knows this, I prefer his guitar with drums at least. I, if I can get bass on it, I'm happy as hell and it's easy, even easier for me to, to feel where the song wants me to go. Because that's mm -hmm. usually, I don't force anything. So uh, if the bass is on there, great. If it's not, I can, I can, get, I can get through it. But some of the longer songs, two, two, maybe three songs on here, I believe two songs we edited, uh, the arrangement, slight, only slight edits, like this part went, you know, eight times and I wanted it to go four. This part went four, I wanted it to go two. And it was more or less me editing in like, uh, you know, software and uh, sending it to the engineer. And here, here's the suggested edit. Of course, don't use these right. edits because I'm crappy at it. So, mm -hmm. but, but he was able to muster the suggested edits and the flow, uh, in, in my opinion, the flow of those, where, what it Dan had just, you know, kind of jammed his way through these, you know, cause he's feeling it too, but mm -hmm. Uh, with all due respect, he's not singing over it. So right. if you call it like colors or movements or storylines or whatever, storyboards or whatever, the way that it's going to line up, mm -hmm. I felt like, um, you know, the edits were important to, to, to my melodies and actually what some of the lyrics were, at least syllable wise, were trying to build upon. Uh, and that's really the only difference, but uh, I'm glad that you like it. I appreciate that and that you have... Uh, 
the opinion that it is a, a, a stronger record just so quickly after the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and after working on the first one, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys felt each other out, the band felt each other out, and probably had more of a better feeling with, okay, I can do this, I want to try this, you know, was the first album more like, you know, a, a touch point, whereas with the second album, you kind of went in with a clearer idea or, I mean, Dan just writes riffs. We know this from all the recent interviews that I've done. But from from your standpoint, Jason, with the melodies, with wanting to get a vocal cadence in there, was it easier this time around? OK, I'm going to approach this album this way, because I think my voice with Dan's playing works out better this fashion as opposed to in another project yeah i I, there's a you're making you you i love the question um i'll do my best to to answer it by way of it, it it's still not conscious to you know okay, we have to make a better record, you know, right, and, right, and right. does that mean Jason work harder on your lyrics and your, you know, do, do right. something totally different because, you know, you can do better. Come on. You know, it wasn't like mm-hmm. that. It was more um, because of, like I said before, like that we did edit a couple of the songs just for flow. Um, maybe subconsciously Dan was writing, I honestly don't think Dan, like you said, he just writes riffs. And and I always say, however you're feeling, just let it rip and do your thing. And when Ron gets in there with you on the drums after he learns the form, that's great. Um, And then send it to me Mm -hmm. and then I'll see how I feel about it. And I don't listen to, and I did the, the same on field trip as I did to this. I don't even really listen to it until I feel like I'm ready to sing something, whether I have lyric or not. Right. So if I press play and I'm listening and, you know, I'm familiar with Dan's riffage very well by now, if it, it it's going to make me uh, want to sing a certain tone in right. this place and then when it sort of opens up and and feels like um when it finally feels like a chorus or a tagline depending on what i've built so far as a verse or an intro or whatever uh you know by then the riffs have changed a little bit sometimes they don't even change key he'll just go all he'll just keep going Mm -hmm. but but the 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 uh, the riff will be augmented somewhat enough for me to go. Okay, well that's that's cool. That that ch- makes me uh, rise. You know, climax the melody and the notes change and the cadence change when when I feel like he's uh, breathing a, a different sort of breath into the 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 B verse, the C mm-hmm. part, the D part, whatever. Um, and and honestly, I feel like. You know, people are calling this band and the, and these records, these doom stoner records, and, and that's fine. People can call it whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I think Dan will agree uh, that it, he's just kind of writing rock and roll songs, and they're influenced by all of these things that we love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kiss, ACDC, Aerosmith, Cheap Trick, uh, of course, Black Sabbath, of course, you know, Judas Priest, of course, of course, of course. Um, 
but because of his, uh, you know, slightly detuning and sometimes lower and, and such, you know, it's the all things I've heard, you know, his other camps say it all, all things lead to Black Sabbath eventually. And right. I think Glenn Danzig said one time, everything leads back to Motorhead. And he's not wrong either because mm -hmm. it's just blues, it's just rock music. If it's loud and bluesy and, you know, you can slice it a hundred different ways and it's all going to from the same, coming from the same place. So Doom Stoner, that's fine. Dan's riffs and the way he plays, um, and I'll let him comment on the way he plays now because I've heard him talk about how uh, he doesn't really feel like his thrash guitar playing uh, histrionics and styles stylings are up to snuff these days. Uh, so he's writing this way and coming from his from his heart and his influences that are still in his heart. So I'm trying to do the same thing, but I feel this dark emoting thing to Dan's riffs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm I writing these darker lyrics and I'm singing in more of a chess voice and when when it opens up, the only other place as a singer I can go, good or bad or ugly, love me, hate me, I don't give a shit. But when the song sort of opens, you know, the flower opens up, I've got to do something different to get out of this one thing, especially if the, if the riff doesn't change key. Usually in this kind of, of writing, the riffs don't really change key much. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Okay, now I'm going to play this high, real pretty part. Well, that's usually in the breakdown. You know, right. Uh, so I'm using these different voices and I have about six different voices that I can use. And I feel like if you know my material, you know that. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to, this is the only cap I tried to put on. I don't necessarily want to just go up into the stratosphere and sing all that high stuff just because I know I can. Right. And it's kind of signature and everybody knows I sing that way. I try to keep a cap on that, and sometimes that's where it ends up going. Uh, so I usually like the songs that I can that where you know the pre-chorus and the chorus are different enough from the verses that I've changed my voice enough, but I'm still not Getty Lee, you know. Right. <laughs> I think to your point, and I was talking to someone else about this. The difference with Dan's playing to someone who's purposely a younger band that's purposely trying to make a Doom album or a Stoner album, Dan isn't doing that. Dan is playing to his, as you mentioned, Limit all those bands you mentioned, the, 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 the influences are there, but the way that it comes out with his tuning, it sounds like something, but he's not purposely looking for that. Whereas, again, you have kids that, oh, I have to get a 68 SG and I need to get a Laney amp or an orange, orange. from the 70s yeah. to, to do this. My bass has to, you know, has to go through a 68 amp peg. And no, it's it's Dan's hands. It's That's right. in his head, his feeling. And it comes out that way. You know, it isn't. Thank you. Not, thank you. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a river. The the Lorenzo River flows that way. It it isn't that. Damn, I have to sit down and I got to make sure that this sounds, you know, this sounds like uh, Tony Iommi, or I'm gonna um, tune to C sharp because Jimmy Page once did this, and I'm gonna, you know, I if it happens that way, I think Dan's the type of player that if it feels right, similar to what you just said with your vocals. 
it'll go there. But that's not the plan. Oh, I have to do this because so-and-so did it before. How do you know so much about me, Victor? I I think that even though there has been breaks in times where I haven't, I didn't interview you, what, in 12 years, I think we said, 11 years. This year, this is the third time I'm talking to you. Yeah, we've always been in contact. You've always sent me clips. We've always talked here and there. So I think if you're, if you, if you've kept up with what you've done, you get a feel for who you are, how you write stuff like that. And and being two Jersey guys, that kind of helps too. You you understand the humor, you understand the nomenclature, what goes on, you know, what, what was in the water, what is in the air that type of a thing. So I think that all helps me understand where, you know, you come from where, when you're writing stuff. Interesting. But Dan mentioned, you know, uh, he's playing oh, to yeah. his limitations. Those are his words. You know, thank God for that. You can <laughs> right. say the same thing. I'm singing to my limitations. I can, I'm doing whatever I can do that fits the riff. And what I think I said it a minute ago, Whatever is in whatever I'm hearing for the first time is in, it's either inspiring me what to sing, giving me an idea of where I'm going to go with this immediately. And if it doesn't, I that's one I put to, put aside and I go to the next one and I press play on that one. Sometimes I have to go back and, and listen to something else a couple of times, but. I've got my microphone in my hand. Even if I don't have any lyrics, I'm going to sing some dummy words. I'm going to sing yabba dabba doobie scooby dooby doo whatever. And it, it until I find something, and usually I'll just something will crack open and and fall out, and that's usually where I where it ends up going. So it, I'm not going to say it's like the easiest. Uh, you know, so it's not. You know, these songs are, weren't hadn't been the easiest songs for me to write, but mm-hmm. quite a few of them pretty fucking easy to just kind of, oh, cool, I got this. And like yeah. Dan always says, yeah, Jason works as fast as I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and obviously this has to give you uh, some type of, for the two of you, some type of rush that being in broken teeth doesn't give you being in yeah. vessel of light doesn't give you it it has to impact you and give you a rise in some fashion to be able to do that whereas if it was all kind of the same it wouldn't have that same emotion it wouldn't take you know you guys wouldn't go to a, another gear with the stuff you know no, it would no, all I, kind I of you know how so many of my friends are in bands. They've been in one band their whole life, and they are still touring off their success from the '80s. And I keep right. switching bands. But if this was, just say, if nonfiction kept the same lineup from 1990, mm-hmm. would I be writing the amount? Like I, I've released seven albums in the last five years. And I, there's no way I would have written 70 songs in the last five years if I had the same lineup of, of from nonfiction. If it was just the same band, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think the fact that I'm playing with some different people, it's, it is, it, it makes you excited and it makes you inspired and you, I want to go upstairs and maybe say, let me try and write something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and it wasn't, you know, done consciously. I mean, I would love to have had, you know, one band like Jason, I'm so envious of him that he's always playing with these bands. It's the same lineup, you know, dangerous toys. And 
I think you said, you know, dirty looks is everybody except, you know, you're the new guy. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm so jealous of all my friends bands. They're always playing shows. It's because like Blitz, you know, he's been in overkill since I met him in 1982. You know, it's and I keep changing my bands. But I do think that that's what has enabled me to have the outpouring of music that I've done, because I did four albums very quickly with Nathan Opposition. And it was I loved it. I loved it so much. And then we had like I wrote too much material. And I'm like, well, now the coronavirus shut down. We came and play shows. Maybe now's the time to have Jason. And it just, you know, it was like that. It was nothing was really, there was no master plan. It just happened, which goes back to what Jason was saying. I've never gone upstairs and say, let me try and write a song. I mean, I think maybe 30 years ago, somebody said, why don't you try to try and write another song like the leaders from Hades. And it was a disaster because I was trying to write a song, which previous to that point, I never did. And I never did that again. Plenty of yeah. bands have done that for you, where they have that one big hit and every album has to have the B version of that song, the C yeah. version of that song. What's the point? No, I don't get it. Go ahead, Jason. I cut you off. No, I was just I was just going to say, you know, I I think forcing something or just because it it used to work with this concoction doesn't mean it's always going to work like it, it's it's pretty simple when you th- just think something I just said, like, uh, you know, sometimes I, it's not inspiring me and um, whether it's a song Dan sent me or not. And I just put it aside and maybe I'll come back to it or maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. I'm just not feeling that one. Send me some more. You know, it's that old thing where let's pretend let's let's just pretend that Dan sends me 10 songs. Mm-hmm. You know, over a time, what all at once, it doesn't matter. And five of them, I'm like, oh, these are writing themselves. I got this. And, you know, I send them back and Dunny's go, well, where's the rest of it? No, you got to send me some more. Those didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm trying to say? So, right. But um, that hasn't happened yet. I don't think you've ever not written to anything I've sent to you. I don't believe so. There might have been one or two, but it was yeah. really early on. We're talking 13 years ago or okay. something. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, you know where I maybe I just didn't even have time to really wrap yeah, my head around mm-hmm. it, or I couldn't play it. It was a but corrupt not file, I, or I, what you were going back to. Yeah, I mean, like what Jason said. I mean, some you know, I wake up early and I'm on my phone, you know, working for my job, and sometimes a uh, season of mist who makes our T-shirts, or Nomad Eel who has the American release of the album, or MDD Records. They'll ask both of us a question, and I'll go to respond, and I'm like. Fucking Jason already responded. Like I'm, I'm not used to that. You know, I'm used to people moving a little more slowly than I work with. So it's really been fun for me to work with Jason, who's incredibly quick on almost everything as I am. Very well, cool. I, I get up old man early. You know, mm-hmm. and I know you do. Yeah, you're up before I am. Yeah. And you got, and you're an hour ahead of me. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. You're, you're mentioning the dynamic between the two of you. You tried this 13 years ago then? Initially, this was... It, it wasn't a project. It was just like, hey, I got this song. You want to sing on, on it? I, I think I still have it around here somewhere. It's just called Blues or something. And I had a couple of lines. I may have even recorded something on it. I, I think to find that, that was, Victor, was um, I had a band... Uh, the original nonfiction was myself, Mike Christie, Dan Nastasi, who went on to join a dog eat dog and this guy, Damon Trotta. And we recorded an album called number nine after the 
uh, nonfiction broke up, the nonfiction that put out the three records. And then we right. said, man, we had, a, we had a bunch of cool material. And Dan Nastasi ended up uh, doing, you know, not doing a solo album and not using that material. So I gave Jason some of that stuff. And um, my heart wasn't really into music at that point. I remember when uh, we first made an attempt. But so the real Jason and I, I think I feel like we really came together as Cassius King, you know, we started doing some cover songs together is kind of what started the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, uh, Victor, just like, like I said, like, I think it was about 13 years ago, mm -hmm. he emailed me a track and, and I plugged it in and, you know, sang something to it and I have it around here somewhere, but it wasn't supposed to be like, like there was no de deadline. Yeah, yeah. There was no yeah. label pushing for it. It was just like for fun. Yeah. And then the cover song thing in the, in the, the lockdowns, that was a no brainer. Cause yeah. you know, I was stuck at home. Right. Yeah. So many people needed something to do. So it only made sense to cover bands. You love, as you mentioned, it was kind of a, a good thing about, uh, you know, a virus being out there and, and, you know, the government's, you know, suggesting that we just lock down good, good things came out of that. I mean, it's a terrible situation, but I'm going to say it. I'm not the first to say it, but a lot of people got creative. I mm -hmm. think that a lot of people got depressed and yeah. then got, and then got creative. And, uh, I mean, Charlie Benani was, you know, talking about that and some interviews that he was doing. Um, and I bought his, his cover album, Silver right. Linings. And I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great idea. And of course he had all these bad motherfuckers playing on it. You know? <laughs> right. Alex Golnick and shit. And so it's like, damn, you know, so I was trying to support others, uh, during that doing the same. And I felt like when Dan reached out, it was, well, this is a way that I can stay busy and not feel like I have to be bleeding heart to the world just to feel right myself, you know? So I, I, I got busy and I, I, I didn't have time to get bummed out about anything. So right. thank you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the silver lining with all of this, especially in the music industry, a lot of bands put out some of their best material, not only from a material standpoint, but sonically, because bands had the time to work on stuff where instead of being, you know, album tour, album tour, they didn't have to rush it. So they worked more on songs. They worked more in the studio and a lot of bands across the board, bigger bands, smaller bands put out some good shit because of, because of having that time to do so. So I think for a lot of people, that was, uh, that was the silver lining. I, I it kind of seemed weird to me that there were some musicians complaining, well, you know, there's, I can't go out and tour. So I've, I've just been sitting on my couch for the last X amount of months. It's like with the internet, with all the tools that are available now, there's nothing you can do to keep your business name out there, your band name out there that you can't. Yeah. That, see that, that doesn't, that doesn't fly. Yeah. That doesn't fly. I can understand people of a certain age, but I mean, you know, I'm not, we're not spring chicken here. So, right. <laughs> uh, so the, the, uh, you know, the, it, I feel like there, if there's an artist who's trying to stay relevant, they adapt. 
And then there's right. others that go, oh, well, what do you what do you mean make a record? It's a lockdown. I can't go anywhere. Dude, the fucking guys in Voivod built a studio in the living room and built walls so they wouldn't have to breathe each other's breath and right. made one of the greatest Voivod records ever during the mm-hmm. lockdown in Canada. So that was happening worldwide. So, yeah. you know, for someone to... For someone to think, oh, well, I, you know, everything's shut down. I can't go to the studio and cut a vocal. It's like, dude, get on Amazon and buy some shit and make a fucking little studio and write some songs, asshole, you know? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. there's no, it doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the, you guys know this better than I do. The whole thing is dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars into an album. That's done and over with. When I see people online that are, you know, trying to crowdfund the five hundred thousand dollars to record a new album, it's like seriously with today's technology. I'm not saying you don't hire somebody competent to mix it or engineer it or even produce it. No, but- I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just saying for someone to go, oh, poor me. I guess I can't record anything. Yeah, yeah, the industry yeah. is shut down. I'm just gonna glue my ass to the couch. Yeah, that yeah. Doesn't make sense. And you know what you guys are reminding me of? Like, you know, when I grew up, Twisted Sister was the that was the be all end all in New Jersey area, and mm-hmm. how you know they say like, you know, we're not gonna write new material anymore because the fans don't care. And then I think about that, man. I, I I need to write new material to to you know keep my interest. And then I go back and check out the back catalog, but. And I, I don't want to diss D. Snyder because I think he's awesome. But I remember him saying also how he couldn't write those type of songs anymore when he was sitting in his millionaire pool with all the. And I'm like, like I, I wrote some songs when I was really poor. The first couple of Hades albums, the first all the nonfiction albums. And then when I started making money, I feel like I got even heavier. You know, it's just, it's really weird how everybody feels different things. How D feels like he needs to be depressed and poor to write heavy music. And I just feel like I'm happier than I've ever been and I'm writing more than I've ever been. And it's still angry, heavy music. So it's funny how everybody is so different. Yeah. That's- I, I, I'm, I'm certain that D Snyder could have written some songs, but he wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. It's a, it's a place he was in his head, not just where he was physically, I think, because uh, not to talk about D Snyder, uh, although I would love to talk about D for about four hours. Cause I love him, but yeah. Uh, the point is, is he writes any kind of song he feels like he wants to write. And I think that that's great. Um, his solo, you know, he's he's writing solo albums now. And he did, he, he did a string of dates to back it up. And he's got, you know, Jamie Josta from Hatebreed producing it. You know, he's like, he's... He's kind of uh, a renaissance man, as it were. He's got, he does radio show. He's a work, he's works hard. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I heard the same thing. I think it was an article or something where some quotes where D was here. I was out at the pool and my mansion with a guitar and I can't, you know, okay, we're not going to take it. Number three, you know, uh, I can't do it. I'm going back in the water, you know? I can kind of see how that might be a wall to climb for some people. But I think that if you can put yourself mentally in the basement, sweating your ass off, 
when you're 20 years old, you can write a song. I think that it's the yeah. idea um, that you need. You know, it's not the mansion or the gutter that is the problem to keep you from writing a song. It's 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 you. It's you're yeah. you're telling yourself that you can't do it, and that's not healthy. So I think all this music that we love, hard rock and metal is a feeling is a state of mind. So regardless whether you're, as you're saying in, in a mansion or you are, you know, in a gutter, if you've got that attitude still, regardless, right. You know, I think that that comes out of you without really trying all that hard. I, yeah. Uh, ironically enough, my very first interview was D Snyder when he put wow. Widowmaker together Oh, and I, began, I think nonfiction, I'm pretty sure it was Widowmaker. We played with them in Los Angeles and I, they came out and I'm like, this is going to be lame. These Snyder's. And it was amazing. It was yeah, really yeah. good stuff. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that here in Austin as well. I, I, I bullshit my way into doing that interview. So, wow. uh, and, um, and he talked about that. He talked about exactly what you just said. You know, I couldn't write anything I had. I had a few Ferraris, I had five mansions and I couldn't sing about rebellion and being hungry because I was happy and had five kids and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, unfortunately he recently said he's not going to do any more solo stuff. And I think his two solo albums he did were phenomenal. Um, I had, um, Charlie Belmore, who's his guitarist for the stuff with Josta. I had him on talk about uh one of his bands and the stuff they've done i think is great you know yeah. a great mix of that old school angst a great mix of you know what you want from d i mean i'd been i see that uh chris from um decibel geek has just mentioned stand by for pain that was uh this the second Widowmaker album i was cr- yeah. go back to that style um, after that album, you know, angry, angry Angstfield was missing all these years, and he finally came back to it with Josta. And it's a shame that he maybe doesn't want to continue with that now, but we'll see. He'll change his mind. Victor, can I interrupt and say uh, thank you very much to Brad Dahl? I'm looking at some of your listeners here and the Amish Outlaws again. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it very much. And, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I like seeing these message boards. Yeah. Uh, when are we going to get to hear these songs live? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, so that's the problem with starting a brand new band is people don't want to pay you a lot of money to play shows. So Jimmy Shulman, myself, and Ron Lipnicki, we all live within 10 miles of each other. And then we got poor Jason all the way out in Austin. And jo- I asked Jason if we could play live, and he told me, yeah, dude, if, if you join Accept or Armored Saint, let's do it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's the only time I get to see Jason is when he joins these other famous bands. So um, we would love to play live. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, not we're not opposed to breaking even or losing a couple dollars, but we don't want to lose thousands of dollars, which is yeah. what I did with Vessel of Light. We played shows and I was bankrolling and it was fun as hell. But um, it would be very easy because the three of us are close and we just need Jay, we have to, we need to come to Austin or have Jason come up here, but you know, um, we want to sounds play. Cheap, sounds cheaper to me to have just have the Texan come to Jersey. Yeah. But then we also have to have Scott LePage who played 
Um, I well, need you know, I could, I could, I could pick him up. I could go to yeah. Dallas and pick him up. Yeah. We'd fly out of Dallas. And but yeah, so you. we're not opposed to playing live shows. I forget who asked the question, but yeah. um, it's it's nothing is scheduled right now, unfortunately. Oh, it was Brad Dahl. Thank you, yeah. Brad. You mean you don't you don't want to play South by Southwest? I know the last time that I spoke to Jason, we had a lengthy conversation regarding that. So it was fun playing uh, all those you know CMJ shows. They were gr- they were great shows, but everything's so different now. But we're not opposed to anything. Just give us some offers, though. <laughs> there you go. Get, uh, yeah, there probably won't be any money in in it. Probably not. No, uh, and it's not about money, but yeah. who's going to pay for it? Who's going to yeah. pay for us to get together? It's kind of a, it's a labor of love, and the I I'd honestly instead of going broke just to play a show for a few friends, I feel like writing a a, a as great a record as we possibly can. Because uh, we're not making money off of that, but it's yeah. cheaper to make a record than it is for us to all get in a room and play for a few sure. Yeah. W- would doing something like a live stream, or I mean, none of these live streams are really live, but no. doing something along those lines, getting together, doing a show, releasing that online or even DVD or something like that, you, would you know, that make more sense? You, you know, you know, I really like this idea. Let's talk about this uh, with Dan, Victor. So, Dan, imagine you guys over at J-Rod Studio. Yeah. Playing the songs live with a video camera crew. Just a couple of people with iPhones, right? But it's you guys are really playing live yeah. and you and you record it on video and audio. J-Rod mixes it, right? sends it to me i set up a camera here and i sing the songs really live i'm really singing them live to the live uh feed that you guys put together pre-recorded but you guys are in a room together obviously playing live and then we take the footage and we edit it all together we being someone like that looks like this uh and and basically, we have a live show that people can watch. That's totally do doable. Totally doable. I'm going to tell Jimmy Jimmy Shulman we're going to have our our first rehearsal in two years together next month, uh, Victor. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Shulman and I are going to celebrate his birthday uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday next week in South Beach, and then we're going to he's going to come back, and uh, he promised me we'd have a rehearsal for my birthday next month. And okay. uh, that'll be the first time that me, myself, Jimmy, and Ron have jammed together in like two years, I believe. Oh, well, happy there. birthday, Jimmy Shulman. First, first wave of COVID, I believe we, we had a rehearsal with Nathan uh, for um, like after, before, I think it was right after Last Ride came out by Vessel of Light. Mm. So, yeah, I'm not opposed to what you're saying, Jason. But also I want to, can I mention a couple of things about Cassius King? Is that we're signed to MDD Records in Germany and the MDD version has a Judas Priest cover song and okay. the Nomad Eel Records version has two Kiss cover songs. So there's two versions of the CD. The artwork is pretty much the same, at least the cover is, but uh, there's different bonus tracks on each version, whether you get the Nomad Eel version or the MDD records. And as far as our merch, Season of Mist in South of France, as well as Philadelphia, um, they make our, all of our merchandise. So please support us any way you can and 
there's a better likelihood of us doing shows if the word gets out there a little more and there's, you know, like Jason's that we don't lose $3,000 playing a show. Yeah. It, it um, makes sense. It's all about economics at the end of the day. And, and, and I've interviewed plenty of bands, the same, same boat where they've said, Hey, I'm not opposed to breaking even so long yeah, as totally. well, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good tour. Yeah. We got a good response. You know, the, the rush that we get from the crowd makes it worthwhile so long yeah. as we're not losing our asses every single Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I think it would, it would be a great, not to, I'm just starting to connect dots in my brain. Uh, I think that it would sound a little bit different, like the live, you know, the, the pre-recorded, not almost live, uh, DVD, if you will, or a show that we can just fly off of a website or a server or something, um, because there won't be any backing vocals. You know what I mean? It's just going to be me because I do all the vocals <clears throat> by choice. And uh, I feel like uh, it'll be a cool challenge to do those songs in that sort of uh, uh, headspace because uh you know in the choruses i like to do a low and a high and maybe a harmony or two and uh uh it it, it'll be interesting to to see what what marriage of different because you know when you do that or when i do that the the way that i because i've done that with other bands too well shit you know i'm the only singer in my band igniter and i do all kinds of harmonies on the choruses for those but i get to choose which note in which phrase. So I'm actually creating a, a new melody right. from all of the notes that I sang via the, all of the harmonies that I did. Mm -hmm. So kind of an interesting play, but makes it really fun for me as a singer uh, to, uh, you know, this one I'll do the high and the next line I'll go up into that third harmony, come back down and then do the fifth on the last one out could be really interesting to hear, you know, Royal Blooded or, uh, you know, Dread the Dawn or whatever, where there's harmonies and I'm, I'm, I'm I get to choose my own melody. Mm -hmm. um, back to what um, Dan was plugging there, the uh, how people can get our stuff. If you're a vinyl freak, uh, that stuff is coming out on vinyl. Uh Nomad EO Records has already pulled the trigger on that. And I think it's a, you can pre order now from mm -hmm. uh, Nomad EO's uh, Bandcamp site. But at the same time, <clears throat> they need to know that it's not coming out until January, February. They can pre order now, but they, they're not going to get it until next year. Yeah. Uh, th that's, I'm that's excited about that. I'm excited <laughs> about, about having it on vinyl. Yeah, that's the childhood thing, you know, the ritual or you buy the record. Oh, yeah. You smell it as you pull it out, you know, and then you got the you got the big. Oh, yeah. You know, there's something about that. Yeah, absolutely. Still. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope to make it stateside next year. And unfortunately, one of the things that I got to take is a big suitcase because I got a bunch of uh, vinyls that I've been bitching to Dan about over the last few years that. uh Costs way too much to get shipped to me, so I'll have to bring them back in a suitcase. So uh, it can be done. Yeah that that will be uh, that will be one of the vinyls that will be accompanying their way back over 
to this side of the world. So, um, this Brad Dahl is on fire, man. Brad, 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 as, as we affectionately call him, uh, Dr. Poison is a, uh, recently retired, uh, doctor who worked for a uh, poison control out in Utah. So, uh, wow. I'm, I'm trying to, to, uh, get him to do a podcast just talking about some of the, uh, uh, wow. Interesting calls that he's had over the years. He's he's told plenty a, a, a good story while I've had him on the show. So. I bet. Well, is is he Brad? Are you in Utah? Yeah, he is. Okay, it's beautiful there. Pretty incredible, Utah. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the few states I've never been to, but my wife was there this summer, and man, I, I got to go back. I got to go there. It looks great. It's pretty mind blowing. Pretty yeah. much year round, you can go year round. When the when the seasons change and there's just a little bit of snow on the ground, it's in. It's like you're on another planet. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen. You've been posting pictures. They've gotten snow these last few days, and it's it's looked really cool. Awesome. Oh. Um. Uh, real quickly, I obviously, you've been in the news for, uh, Dan mentioned it before, for doing some shows with Accept, some shows with Armored Saint. Coming out of COVID, there was all this talk of understudies and people hanging out like in, in, the, uh, in the wing in the event that someone got sick in different bands. Obviously, I'm not sure if that's the case for you at all, but obviously you filled in with both of these bands. Um, what was that process like? I mean, were you friends with the band and that's why they reached out to you? Did you reach out to them? Ar- How- Armor, Armored Saint. I've been for, I've been b- chummy with those guys for 40 years. Okay. You know, you know, 30, 38 years or, or something. Cause I saw them on their first tour with Metallica and Wasp, which is whom they're out with now. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I loved the first record and the EP on Metal Blade and and uh, met the guys and, you know, became pen pals with John Bush. And so, yeah, the getting the call from from them was different uh, because they they had they knew my number kind of thing. Right. And then the accepting a few weeks prior uh, fell in my lap via uh you know, like Wolf Hall, you know, Mark Tornillo got, you know, came up with this upper respiratory thing, mm-hmm. uh, tried to tried to power through it and, and was in danger of, you know, bruising. You know, I think he did, had yeah. some bruising and, and uh, had to go to the doctor, specialist kind of shit. And uh, they called real quick. I'll do the rundown. So... <clears throat> There's this guy, Ed Aborn, who was in a band called Siren from Florida, that there's a movie out. I'm plugging his stuff here. Uh, The movie is called, people can watch it. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. People can watch it. It's called, I'm getting too old for this shit. Right. And what happened is, is they had this cool metal band called Siren in the 80s. And, you know, 30 years later, Keep It True called, hey, can you put your band back together and come play our festival? And they were like, what? Right. So Ed Aborn is the drummer for that band. So Ed Aborn is friends with, he knows a lot of the same people I know. I can't believe I never met Ed Aborn before. So before this accept deal, 
Wolf is friends with Ed Aborn. So Wolf calls Ed and goes, Hey man, Mark is, you know, needs to sit out for a little bit. We can't cancel, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we'll go broke if we cancel. So he goes that, let me put feelers out. Well, Ed is also friends with the guys in riot. So he calls Todd Michael Hall, the singer, and he goes, are you available to do this except gig? I don't think I'm the right guy or I'm busy or I don't know what he said, but he goes, let me call Don Van Stavern, who's the bass player for Riot, who I've known since 1982 because he lives in San Antonio and Watchtower and San Antonio Slayer used to play gigs all the time with Hellstar. Right. So, So there's this lineage with Don Van Stavern that, you know, he's my bro, you know, he's my, Mm -hmm. literally my bro. So Todd Michael Hall, Riot calls Don bass, bass player Riot. And I get this, cryptic text from Don that says, Hey man, you want to sing some accept? And I'm like, of course I want to sing some accept. When are we, you know, tribute man? Are we going to make a, what, what's going on? Let's, let's do it. And he's like, right. no dude, their singer got sick. I'm like, what are you talking about? Call this guy. It's Ed Aborn's number. I call Ed dude. And he goes, dude. And I go, dude. And he goes, dude. And I'm like, what the hell? 10 minutes later, I'm on the phone with Wolf Hoffman. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a series of events. And then like, you know, 15 hours later, I'm on a plane to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Right. That would have been the 19th of October. The 20th, I did a full set. 21st, Mark was feeling better. He came back and we tag team three shows. I came home. I'm sitting sitting in my robe with my dog in my lap you know, uh, a a few weeks after that going, wow, this has been a very strange month. And uh, hello, Hey, you need to call the armored saint guys right fucking now. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Same verbatim, same thing. Next day I'm on a plane, (laughs) did four shows, came home. Craziest shit that's ever happened to me. Right. Um, if any other band calls you out of the blue, does it depend who the band is uh, for, for you to say yes? Well, what's cool is, is uh, I, I love Accept and I love Armored Saint. And right. phoneti- phonetically, I, I just, you know, phonetically, I, I know that material. Right. You know, that style is how I cut my teeth as a singer. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I feel like except had a short list and Armored Saint had a list of one person and it was me. Mm-hmm. I think John Bush came off stage one night, you know, and was like, call yeah. McMaster. Wow. And it didn't, it didn't hurt that he knows that I just filled in with except and right. Da, 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 da. It was like a, it was a series of events, but it was like a chain reaction. It was literally a couple of hours after their Philadelphia mm-hmm. set, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. If you think filling in for Accept kind of opened their eyes to, hey, let's just call him. He just did this for Accept. Yeah, and the fact that they already know me. They know me yeah. as that I'm a fan, and mm-hmm. uh, they they probably knew in the back of their head that I'm a fan boy, too. So I was probably, I was because I was trying to not follow those guys around like a puppy dog because <laughs> uh, I love Armored Saint. I love right. them. And, uh, so it was good. So it was we it was just, you know, I was treated extremely well with with Accept and extremely well with Armored Saint. I'm I'm just I was just closer to Armored Saint, that's all. Right. Gotcha. 
Dan, if anyone calls you up and says, hey, we need a Les Paul on the uh, uh, left side of the stage. I would love to uh, fill in. I, Malcolm, Malcolm Young is deceased, obviously, but I feel like I could pull that off. Okay. Uh, that would be my thing. But really, it's really funny because uh, people like if they heard my music, they would never think this. But I would love to fill in for Rick Nielsen one night. Right. The old wow. cheap trick stuff is just I love playing that stuff. Ron, I Jimmy goes to the bathroom and Jimmy that's the stuff we're jamming on. The, you know, the old kiss, the old cheap trick. Right. Yeah. Hey. There's something about that old material, man. Yeah. That was yeah. fun stuff to play. Yeah. They had Robin Zander's uh, kid recently yeah. filling in for him. Yeah. So who knows? On, on guitar? Wow. On guitar. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Filling oh, in for Rick? Filling in for Rick. Oh, I didn't know Trippy. that. Yeah. So they had Rick's son on drums and Robin's yeah. on guitar. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was for a few shows. Well, yeah. Ron and I are that? hoping that... Uh, you know, Jason will be asked to join Kiss and Gene Simmons and uh, Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer will get sick. And then it'll just be Gene Simmons and, and the three of us, we're hoping, you know. OK. You know, I think that to answer your question, you did ask me a question. It's I would like to say it does matter who's calling me. I feel like there should be some kind of levy or cap on what job I should be hired for. Um, but if it's, here's another thing. If it's something that I just don't really care about, I probably shouldn't take the gig, even if the money is right. really good. Well, you, you, you've been known for uh, dabbling in some Metallica and some Judas Priest, if I'm not mistaken. It's true. Um, let's, l let's say for, for whatever reason, uh, Priest wants to fill out the left side of the stage. They want someone who can sing backing vocals and help cover for Rob. Something like that. Well, that that sounds that sounds great. Uh, and I would just be the water boy for Judas Priest. <laughs> you know, I would I would just go. You know, I'd just be running bar on the side of the stage for those guys. Um. <laughs> No, I just saw Rob sounded great. I just saw Queensryche and Judas Priest last week, and it was incredible. Right. That tour just finished up, and you know they did a whole year of that lineup, and I think it's a it's a killer. Uh, uh, Queensryche and Judas Priest they they need to do Europe like mm -hmm. that. They just need to take the whole thing to Europe. Yeah, Priest is going to be opening up for Ozzy over here whenever that wow. happens. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, is the is the is there a festival happening over there that has Judas Priest and Kiss and Pantera, or yeah. is that in South America? Um, I think it's both because yeah. festival dates have started coming out. Like download has come out, Sweden Rock. Yeah. And I know Pantera's on both. I'm not sure about Kiss. I know Priest is on a few of them. Which yeah. Was Part of what we were discussing before you guys came on, we were talking about um, the new Metallica and how Pantera is going to be opening for Metallica on yeah. this tour. And one of the things that we discussed was it's kind of weird with that name that they're not the head of the bill on any of these festivals. They're like the second band under. The Pantera? Headline. Yeah. 
but it's not yeah. Pantera technically. I I th- I said my theory that I threw out there is that they're dipping their toes in the water, getting people accustomed to what this you know what this lineup is going to be once things kind of settle down because obviously you have all of these you know people that are instantly shitting on it without them playing a single note i think once everyone sees that it's okay to come out and play again you know victor i was thinking that it's fun and if you want to go see it go see it and i like yeah the lineup is cool but i was just reading a vinnie paul interview you know that was uh out there I don't want to give the website any credence. Probably know what website it is, but and he was just saying, never going to happen. You know, this obviously right. what it was like. So that's what make, gives me the whole bad taste. You know, all these people like when they tour. I, I remember uh, I, I toured with the band. I and the guitar player told me, uh, "There's no this band can't go on without me." And right. then he passed away, and the band went on without him. So right. I mean, just the fact that Vinnie Paul. He did not want this to happen. So that's what gives me the weirdness about it. Like, you know, I'm, I, I love Pantera. I would love to see Pantera again. I mean, but it's, it's, you know, it's like going against Vinny's wishes, which is to me, that's really weird. It's like not only, you know, they're saying they're honoring Pantera, but you're almost like dishonoring somebody who passed away's wishes. Like if I told Jason, hey, man, if I die, do not play a Cassius King show, that's kind of weird if he does, man, you know? Right. The, the yeah, thing it's, was, a, it's bittersweet no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, was Jason just crying? No, I think that it's, I was just saying it was bittersweet. Yeah. You know, I know I'm joking. You kind of coughed before you yeah. said it. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a, no, it's a no in situation. And I, th- earlier this week, um, Vinny's estate came out saying we're kind of behind this, you know, right. this is going to be a tribute to the Abbott brothers. We don't want the music to die. Yeah. And ultimately it, it all comes down to that because, you know, opening for Metallica, they're not, you know, they're not getting wooden pennies for that. You know, they're, they're, they're raking in a good amount of money and all these festival dates, you know, they're, they're making good money out of, out of it and planned out correctly. And that's one of the things that we talked about because I don't think the question with this lineup are the two new guys coming in? I think ultimately it comes down to is Phil's voice going to hold up? And from what we're seeing with these Metallica dates, they're doing two shows a week. I can't help but think on my show for years, I've been saying, why the fuck is Kiss playing every night or every other night if we know that they're vocal issues? Play once a fucking week. You're still going to pack the place and you could probably play to bigger, bigger crowds, bigger places because you're doing less shows and you're saving Paul's voice. Yeah. But how do you pay the crew for the other six nights when you're out on tour? That That's why bands play every night. You know, Metallica's charging seven grand for some of these fucking packages. You know, I, and there's people that are going to pay. Yeah. I don't, get it but us suckers consumers there's an there's an elitist thing happening you see all those people that are down front you know getting to have conversations with james hetfield they you know in between songs there he's looking down going oh yeah cool shirt yeah well the person that he's talking to paid seven grand right you know they're 
or I don't know, but I would imagine that, you know, a seat like that, you know, to be right there in the pit, uh, is not free. Right. Um, but, but some really good, good points being, being made here on, on a lot of levels, you know, I don't know if, uh, those guys are tuning down to help Phillips voice. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I could find out with a text message because my, uh, my buddy Bobby, who I, I have a band called Godzilla motor company with, mm-hmm. he's the, he's the bass tech. He's out okay. there with Rex and he was in down mm-hmm. for a couple oh, of right. years. Yeah. And uh, I'm talking about Bobby Landgraf and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so he, you know, the, <clears throat> It's going to go well, but I don't think that I think that you you your point is is great. They're sort of testing the waters. Right. And uh as a matter of fact, I I I saw a clickbait and I hit it and they they're playing tonight with Judas Priest right. 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 in Mexico City, I think. And mm-hmm. there was a uh, a camera phone like through the fence mm-hmm. of uh, a Pantera playing Cowboys from Hell for sound check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell because of how unreliable the audio was. Right. Uh, if they were tuned down a little bit, if, uh, uh, but what I heard sounded great. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it was Cowboys. It was, that's fucking Cowboys from hell. I can hear the riff. I can hear Philip. Uh, I can hear the kick and the snare. You know, you can't make out the bass because of frequency, but right. Uh, it's a lot of the haters are going to start seeing things like that and go, you know what? I got to go see this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what? Axel Rose with ACDC? Fuck that. And then the videos, the, the camera phone yeah. videos came out and like, he's fucking crushing it, you know? Yeah. And they're like, damn, I shouldn't have sold my ticket, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that going to go down. Whether Dan's very valid point about, you know, it's against Vinny's wishes. That's terrible that all this time has passed that both of those guys are even gone so young and this is their legacy. And, uh, I guarantee the estate is going to cash in a little bit on that. And the, their, their family, you know, whoever's left, cause I think their parents are gone too, you know, uh, whoever's in charge, it's going to just create more foundation for future Pantera fans. And that you have, to, if there's any positive, you kind of have to think about that. You know, 30 years ago, you got to think about the kids that missed it, that right. grew up with their dad shoving Pantera down their throat. Right. It's going to be pretty cool for the kids to go, oh, my God, my favorite band who I never got to see because they fucking died. I get to hear these songs live with yeah. bands I own records from. I love Zach. I love Charlie. I love <laughs> Anthrax. I love Black Label. Blah, blah, blah. Incredible. Would be would be different if it was only one guy, you know. Right. If Philip was gone, it wouldn't happen at all. No, no disrespect to Rex at all, but mm-hmm. it's not. I don't think it's in Rex's nature to try to do that. I think that right. it was a pact that him and I'm just riffing here. Don't point <laughs> the finger at me. Right. I'm just riffing here, thinking that I think Philip and Rex got together and said, "Man, this is weird." Are you sure? You know, I'm sure that this is being. 
a lot of long nights of no sleep trying to do we do this or not do this mm -hmm. you know so, so so now you know when i send the press release out that will simply say um dan lorenzo and jason mcmaster of um cassius king on signals from mars when the clickbait headline comes out and says jason mcmaster says that pantera did this just remember that I didn't send that out because that's the type of shit that usually happens. Yeah, I know that. But I think that, you know, this conversation is happening <clears throat> one million times right yeah. now. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let that, let that be be there for the record as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand how it works. And and I'm just I'm just playing along with what everybody else is talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're at the end of the day, I think. Uh, regardless of where each of us stand um, with all of this, I think we're all fans one way or the other. So, I mean, we're right now we're commenting as fans. So that's right. And yeah. I think music, I think music is the, is the way I think that it's, uh, it's part of, of culture and uh, legacy and historical events uh need to happen mm -hmm. uh for for the culture uh because we are helping build a culture mm -hmm. and i think these guys deciding to do this in as positive of a way as possible is is really where their hearts are at you have to think about um you know Zach and Charlie's relationship with the Abbott brothers, as well yeah. as Rex and Philip, mm -hmm. for law for many for for forty years, right? That's yeah, I, something right there. I I think and and Charlie said something regarding that this week. He said something to the extent of you know not because I'm the drummer in this lineup, but. Um, I would have been pissed if it was somebody else because of the relationship I had with wow. the Abbott brothers yeah. and with Rex and, and, um, and Phil. And because of that, you know, I want to make sure that I honor, you know, what the band was about. Yeah. So. You know, it was actually Rita. I read that Charlie says it was actually Rita Haney, uh, Daryl's, longtime girlfriend common law wife uh was the one that introduced like uh, like pantera opened for anthrax on their first tour right uh, watchtower watchtower did the austin show mm -hmm. and then of course pantera did the dallas you know the fort worth shows right and rita was like you know talking to anthrax oh, i love you hey man you need to meet these guys da 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 da, da. and they just hit it off and yeah and the party was on and they stayed close. So there's, you know, when you think about historical uh, magnetism of personalities and it's the culture, you're building the culture just by cool shirt. Right. Hey man, cool shirt. That's when your first day of high school. Oh, that guy's wearing a motorhead shirt. That's my new best friend. And he doesn't even know it yet. It's the right. same fucking thing. Yeah. So that's how this that's how this works. As mundane and stupid as that sounds, it's not. Right. So speaking of building the culture, Dan, I know you're working on riffs. 
What yeah. are you working on now? What band are you, uh, do you have in mind? Is it more cash is King? Is it, uh, well, I'm kind of going because, um, I started the, uh, Patriarchs and black album after I finished writing cash is King, but we, the album came out first. That's the album with Johnny Kelly on drums. Carla Gell sings a bunch of songs. So I already have, uh, 10 or 11 songs. The music recorded for the next Patriarchs in black. Johnny just uh, did drums for one one song, one original, and maybe two or three covers. Um, but then there's like eight or nine originals he'll start recording soon. So, yeah, I do. I I, I keep writing. And uh, that's the next thing is the next Patriarchs in Black, the second album, the follow-up. Okay, cool. Jason, anything else that – because – I mean, there's there's a battle here, but as or not really a battle, but both of you guys have a ton of different, you know, things that you guys are always working on. You're saying both of us have too much time on our hands, so we just fill it up with writing songs and performing? No, you guys know how to manage your time correctly. How about that? Oh, good. That's a better yeah. that's that's very that's very good. Uh I you know, we both have a real a, a day job quote, right? So everything is sort of in between, you know, um, you know, making the bread and the butter. Uh, so, and that's fine because uh, um, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I actually, I, I had a meeting this morning uh, with Jared, my, my producer for my podcast, but he's also my guitar player in Broken Teeth. Mm-hmm. Um we started we you know we've been throughout just the past like three years because it's been a while since broken teeth put out a record right um we wrote we we have some parts that that we've put together and we we actually have a couple of song ideas so we're probably gonna be recording sooner than later once we get a couple of things demoed out yeah Cool. And so that's kind of exciting because it's just been too, way too long and mm-hmm. he's a real busy guy and, you know, I'm kind of busy too. Right. So, uh, but when we, we, he lives close by, so it's easy. It's five minute drive. So just go over and bring a stack of lyrics, you know, just parts, you know. Right. Uh, you know, I've got a liver and a heart and a leg and a finger and a toe and, a you know. And right. we're just going to try to build some kind of build some broken teeth music. Uh, no, no idea when any of that'll come together or come be released. But the plan is always with broken teeth too. When we have enough songs, make a fucking record. You know, that's that's always it. It's not really a single kind of a band. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Dangerous Toys has a bunch of material. We haven't written in a while. This has been over the past like few years as well. There's about seven or eight dangerous, new, unheard, dangerous toy songs. Unless you've seen us live over the past couple of years, we we have two uh, new songs in the set, mm-hmm. and uh, they're really fun and cool, and they they fit, and they're they've been getting good response. Uh, so other than that, you know, there's no deadline, so right. there's no, you know, it's like. There's no deadline mm-hmm. until there is. Actually, I wasn't used to having a deadline until I until I started working with Dan. <laughs> Dan's like, "Oh, you got five more songs to to write, and the records. You know, they need the the artwork. They need the artwork and the masters by this date." And I'm like, "Dude, that's six weeks from now. 
<laughs> so, man, you you work fast, Jason. There's this double-edged sword, you know, of compliments going on. You know, it's like, yeah, I work fast because you said the fucking deadline is in, in six weeks. And, I've you know, I have to go to work right now, you know, so kind of kind of I was up for the challenge though so somebody uh, somebody made a made a comment that I'm not complaining or anything like that but someone commented on my uh, in the comments for my uh, my my I have a I have a podcast called the talk louder podcast mm-hmm. and um, me and my uh, co-host have been doing these exclusives we did one for you know jason with accept and now it's like holy shit what jason with armored saying and it's kind of i almost feel like we have to just to kind of like this is how it happened and this is exactly what was going on backstage on the phone on the plane on the stage here's my feelings while i'm performing Mm -hmm. uh you know and it's literal play by play uh and and the the armored saint thing since I was in Jersey I even mentioned and I even like had a little sit down with Cassius King dudes, you know before pre show hang with Cassius King which is fucking rare you know, but anyway so we're we're doing this so the comments I was reading there's this huge armored saint fan, uh, and this this comment is rather long and just talking about how. Um, you know, I choked the first night watching videos like a hawk, you know, I kind of choked. And I'm agreeing with him. Yeah. <laughs> I totally choked on a couple of the songs that were painful to someone. It's like, oh, fuck, you missed the first lines, you know, kind of shit. And I'm like, you're not wrong. I'm. It's the skin of my teeth. I was, I was in my robe on my couch yesterday. So, you know, give me a break. Uh <laughs> But but then by the end of the week, you know, it's killer and I'm happy and I'm warmed up to the whole thing and then it's over and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, uh, ready to rock, forced to work by either wanting to help someone out of a bind or Dan Lorenzo saying, so you got five more songs and the deadline is in six weeks. (laughs) So uh, I'm busy enough. Right. Just by uh, the sky falling, you know, that's you can't stop the clock. So whatever is is in front of me, I may not see it until tomorrow, but I'm ready to jump. So. Right. So D- Dan, the taskmaster Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, I, yeah. I don't well, Maybe a little bit. Yeah. You know what? I think that guy's handle was taskmaster. That's fucking weird. <laughs> well, a lot of coincidences. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Anyway, and I appreciated his comment, and I even told him that. And you're exactly right, and everything. Just yeah. for the record, yeah. Has has he ever tried playing? You know, being in that same situation where you're filling in, or, or if, if this this guy on the on, in the in the comments area, I, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a chat room. It's a, it's literal yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. verbiage. Um, no, he he's self-admitted. He's got his heart on his sleeve. He goes, I'm not a singer, but, you know, when I saw you choke the first line in Symbol of Salvation, that was brutal and it fucked me up. And I'm not a fan of yours at all. And then, like, just a few sentences later, he's like, but by Friday, the videos I saw, you're fucking crushing. And 
You know what I mean? It was like his story was reality as it was playing out during the the week that I was out there with those guys. So it was very interesting to me just to hear him go from fuck you, dude, to like, oh my God, you know. So it was it was kind of a trip. Uh but you know, I don't know if I can meet Dan's deadline, but I'm gonna do my goddamnedest to. Right. Yeah, I, I think comments like that are usually from people that have never picked up an instrument or played in a band to, to know what it's like to. Yeah. Under that circumstance, if you're yeah, playing this, shit, you fuck up from time to time. When you yeah, move. that's right. It's live. It's live. You know, no rehearsal. There's no net. You know, yeah. the only net I have is. Uh, uh, headphones on the plane, study in the notebook take the notebook on the stage, tape it to the stage and Gonzo hit it. Here, here goes nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, and the guy compliment, just one more thing about this guy. He said, first, the first thing he said was first off, you have giant balls of steel to even uh, try to go on and attempt to do, right. you know, justice for John Bush. And I'm mm -hmm. like, here, here, bro. You are, you're saying everything right. Uh, very interesting conversation. Uh, and you know what? It's been nothing but crazy and fun and very interesting and strange. Very strange. Um, and, um, you know, Dan, when can I expect new Cassius King riffs? I have something I was actually working on last night that I played you over the phone that I said I wrote a riff for um, Broken Teeth. And you're like, no, that's a riff for, for Cassius King. That's and right. I, I wrote, it sounds like ACDC, Victor. And then I, I wrote yeah. another part. It's just so perfect. It sounds nothing like ACDC. But I have a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's so kick-ass. I just can't figure out where to go with it yet. But uh, it's it'll be it'll happen, hopefully. I love it that you're excited about it. And it doesn't scare me that you think that it sounds like ACDC. No, I know. When I hear it, though, like you just explained, when I hear it, it's like, that sounds like Dan Lorenzo. Right. It's it so funny. sound like ACDC. To me, it sounds like Dan Lorenzo. Yeah. Well, that's great. I feel, like, I feel like I can, whatever Dan rip, you know, Dan is writing, it's like, okay, I'm going to keep these here for this project, and I'm going to keep these here for Cassius King. Mm -hmm. um, he could send me the wrong batch of songs <laughs> that he was, you know, okay, these are going to be, you know, Patriarchs and Black. He could accidentally send me those and I will have written the song, you know what I mean? Right. Oh, well, here, here you go. And he's like, oh shit, did I send you the... See, to you know, me, I it's it's the same... It's the it is, same. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's the same shit because it's Dan Lorenzo. It's not. Oh, these are Patriarchs in Black, and these are yeah. Cassius King, and these are Vessel of Light. It's the same shit to me. Yeah, so, it could have all been nonfiction, in my opinion. Which is a compliment. Thank to, you. Thank you. I don't, to your I don't play. Know the way you meant it. Yeah, I take it that yeah. way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank good. You. Awesome. Cool. So let's. Um, Let's plug shit now. Um, where can people keep up with uh, it's danlorenzo.net? Yeah, and my uh, Instagram's danlorenzo ck. Cassius King Band is the Instagram. 
Patriarchs in Black is the Instagram Vessel of Light band. And you know what? I also did another. I just I just got vinyl a couple of days ago. It's called. Um, Oh, it's a Judas Priest double LP tribute record. And Rob Dukes and I, it's called Dukes Lorenzo. We have metal gods on there with Ron Lipnicki on drums and my brother-in-law, Jimmy, on bass. That just came out uh, on vinyl. It's really a nice package. Cool. Cool. That's it for me. The cash is king, though, is what we're pushing here. So MDD Records in Europe and Nomad Eel Records in America. Excellent. Jason? You got the podcast. You've got uh, all the bands as well. You're also going to be appearing at Rock and Pod Expo in March, which I know because in I'm their Nashville. Web, yeah, I'm their web designer. So, uh, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Small uh, world. Yeah. Um, well, in, in like, a, you know, three fifths of except live in Nashville. So yeah. I'm hoping that the except guys come say hi. Um, that'll be fun. Uh, the uh, I, I am a dot net as well as Dan Lorenzo dot net, it's Jason McMaster dot net. So I don't know if Dan knew that they were both dot nets. No, I haven't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off and I'm gonna check out your website. And what are signals from Mars? We'll, we'll get the link. I know some people watch live, but you'll send us a link. Yeah, I'll send you the link when the press release. When I send the press release go out, I'll, I'll copy you in it, and that'll have links to the, uh, to the post, the video, and the uh, audio version of it. Awesome. Yeah, my Insta is Jason McMaster six six six. Awesome. So anybody, uh, and uh, Cassius King does have a Facebook page. Uh, there's a couple of videos there, but you know, you just just Google. Yeah. Me and Dan, and you're going to find everything. For sure. Well, uh, to wrap things up, can I get an ID out of either one of you? Both of us. Both of you guys. All right. Name, band, and you're on Signals from Mars. Hey, this is Dan Lorenzo from Cassius King, and you're listening to Signals from Mars. Excellent. Hey, what's up, freaks? It's Jason McMaster from Cassius King, and you're listening to Signals from Mars. Awesome. I want to thank both of you guys for all this time. Um, I, I knew that I needed to hook up with you guys sooner than we usually hook up, Dan, because I knew that this was going to go long, and yeah. and I have to coach a basketball game in seven hours, so... Uh, some sleep, brother. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to make sure that I could get you guys in here and help promote the album. And it's been fun talking to you guys. And as always, Dan, let's not make this 11 years. Same All thing, right. Jason. Anytime you guys okay. want to come back, I'm more than happy to have you guys back to talk about any project, talk about music, whatever you guys want. Great. Thanks Excellent. so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks See you for tomorrow, having us. Yep. Awesome. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. Awesome. So that concludes tonight's extra jam-packed long episode of Signals from Mars. I want to thank Chris Sinzak, Chris Aiken for joining me for the first part of the show. Obviously, Jason McMaster and Dan Lorenzo for this last part of the show. This will be split up in two different podcasts. Hope you guys enjoy this. And um, I want to thank everyone. I don't know if my mic is 
messing up here somehow. Sounds funny to me. Anyway, I do want to thank Ed Ferguson, Brad Dahl, Jeremy Weltman. Uh, let's see. We ha also had Amish Outlaws in here. We had Chris Sinzak who also jumped in the chat as well. Um, Nomad Eel Records as well. Thank everyone for jumping in the chat and um, sending their comments and questions and and all that great stuff. Thank you for watching this live or listening to the replay. Uh, I say this all the time. Uh, I know that you guys can be listening to or watching a million other things, but it means a lot that you guys choose to be here and listen to this. Thank you for being here. Go to signalsfrommars.com to check out more interviews or music discussions. Uh, follow, you can find out how to follow us on Facebook, Patreon, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that great stuff. Trivia Tuesday, exclusively on Twitch. Uh, every Tuesday uh, or most Tuesdays at the 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK, 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. Uh, for Central European time zone like myself. In any event, thank you once again for watching tonight, and we will see you next time right here on Signals from Mars. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Signals from Mars podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to SignalsFromMars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 